Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. attention to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter number one, Revelation chapter number one, and uh, let's look at verse nine and ten. There's a lot here in this first chapter that we could talk about, and maybe we'll talk about some of it, but I want to I look at verse number nine and ten. I, John, who also am your brother and a companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. There's a couple of things that I want to pay particular attention to. He said, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. Verse number 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I want to preach from this subject for your consideration two places at one time, two places at one time. Would you lift up your hands and your voice with me and let's pray together right now that the Lord would anoint, bless, and help us today. Jesus, we certainly need you. We need your strength. We need your anointing. We need you, God, to work here in our service this morning. We're praying, God, that you would bless your word to the hearts of people, God, that are hungry to receive from you. We know that you always respond to hunger. In fact, you said, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I'm praying, God, that every person that come hungry here this morning could be filled, filled by your spirit, filled with uh, the strength that comes from your word, whatever the need is, God, I pray that you would work in it in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Would you once again worship the Lord with me before you're seated? Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. One of the responsibilities of the preacher is as he communicates the Word of God to connect Scripture to our 21st century lives. It's really not that difficult to do because what we're preaching out of is not a history book. It's not just a book of antiquity. Just something that we look back as a reference to and have a difficult time identifying with. But I do believe that the Word of God is alive. Do I have a witness in this place this morning? 
And the preacher's job is to convey the Word of God in such a way that you can apply it to your present day situations and perhaps even your present day problems and challenges. Uh, theologian uh, Karl Barth, a Swiss theologian, he described it this way. It's a unique way of describing it. He said the preacher must bring thereness, talking about the scripture and talking about there back those in those times. He must bring thereness to hereness, thenness into nowness, and wasness into isness. Now, that seems like a poetic way of saying something, but really what he's saying is make the Word of God relatable to where I am. Yet we all admit that there are some times that there are breaches in our ability uh, to relate to certain passages of Scripture. And even if we're honest, there are certain characters more than others that we identify with in the Word of God. Brother Weeks was just with us a, a, a couple of uh, weeks ago. <laughs> and uh, he preached about his favorite characters in Scripture. And we all have them. And the reason why they are favorite characters to us is because we can, we can identify with that. We can connect with that. Maybe it was something that we read about in their life that they went through, their testimony, what they overcame. Uh, what God helped them to achieve and accomplish. Maybe there's something about it that we can connect with and we can identify with. And that's why these characters are so relatable to us. But then there is others that quite honestly we don't identify with as much. And we find it a challenge to relate to them. It's a difficult thing for us to identify with people like Enoch. Uh, Enoch. We, we want to identify with him. We want to be like him. For Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24 says, And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Uh, that seems pretty unattainable. That sometimes seems beyond our reach, especially uh, when we consider our weaknesses and our fallacies and our blind spots in our lives. Or for that matter, consider Noah, that preacher of righteousness. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, Noah was a just man. And get this, perfect, perfect. Anybody perfect here today? Perfect in his generation. Now that's a pretty high watermark. Uh, that's, that's, that's a difficult thing to reach. I remember one time I was... We were preaching in, in Ocala, Florida, and there was a special meeting there that we were involved in that they used to have annually. And I was asked to, to preach the last service, the last night. And uh, the host of the conference, after the first couple of preachers preached, he walked over to the door. I'll never forget it. He walked over to the door, and he took his pen out, and he acted like he was making a mark up on the door post and he said you see that Calhoun he said that's a high watermark he said these preachers that have been preaching before you they made a high watermark he said it's going to be hard for you well thankfully preaching is not a competitive sport but uh, God always helps us doesn't he 
God always anoints us. Well, when we look at people in the Scripture like Noah, and we look into the Scripture and see people like Enoch, uh, we look at these folks and we say, how is it that we can ever attain? How is it that we can ever reach that high watermark that is there? But you just keep reading the Word of God. You'll find someone, if you keep reading, that you can relate to. Because the Bible includes individuals that we can identify with, such as David. you know why David is one of the most popular in Scripture? One of the most popular uh, characters that we read about in the Word of God? I'll tell you why. It's because most of us can relate to the situations that David faced. None of those situations are whitewashed from Scripture. They're all there. We can relate to someone that needed mercy. We can relate to someone that needed forgiveness. We can relate to someone that had challenges in their family. We can relate to someone that uh, felt as if he was misunderstood. We can relate to betrayal. We, We can relate to rejection. We can relate... To all of those things. And this was the man David. But the man of our text. John the Revelator. He seems so spiritually superior. I mean you read that book of Revelation. And, and, and it talks about the things that he witnessed and saw. And the visions that the Lord gave to him. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And it it seems, well, he just seems so ethereal. I mean, he just seems so godly aloof. He he just seems like beyond our fingertips out there. I mean, I would like to see the things. And I'd like to experience, I'd like to have the relationship with God. I'd like to be as close to God. I mean, this guy was uh, one of the top three. When you read about the disciples who was the inner circle, so to speak, You read about Peter, James, and John. And even if you wanted to narrow it down, I would say John would even have a closer proximity than them because this was the one that leaned upon the bosom of Jesus at the Last Supper. And uh, it just seems that he has a special relationship with the Lord. He was the only disciple to follow Jesus all the way to the cross. All the way to Calvary. When others forsook him and fled, the Bible said, it was John that was faithful and stood by. In fact, it was John that Jesus looked at and said, take my mother and take her away. And I'm paraphrasing, take her away because he didn't want his mother to see him dying. He didn't want her to see him suffering. He knew that she was experiencing a broken heart because of this. And he said, John, take her away. This was the man that he entrusted his mother to. So you can see this special relationship that existed. But you know, we might not be able to relate to John the Beloved nearly as much as we can relate to John the Revelator. You might think that's... That's out of context to say something like that or that might seem strange to you at first. But right here in this first chapter of John, he gives us a little bit of reason why he becomes more relatable. And that is 
when he makes the statement, who also am your brother and companion and companion in tribulation. We don't relate to someone that is, that is uh, uh, oh, so close to him that he can lean over upon his bosom and uh, so close to him that when the fleshly t- tendency is to flee or to run or to hide, Uh, stands by. Maybe we don't relate to those things, but we can certainly relate to him now as a brother that has experienced tribulation. A person that understands and knows what a trial is all about. A person that understands and has experienced some trouble in his life. Suddenly, John becomes relatable. And you can identify with him before he gets into all of the mysteries of the book of Revelation, before he unravels all of the things that the Lord reveals to him. And before he gets into this book that when we read it, we scratch our head. It it doesn't seem like we can totally get our minds around it. But nevertheless, we understand and know a little bit about John because he says... I am your companion in tribulation. Now we can relate. Now we we understand a little bit more about John and how he was able to receive this revelation of Jesus Christ. Because it's noteworthy that revelation does not come from plush palaces, but it was on a lonely isle of Patmos that the Lord revealed these things to him. It isn't, it isn't inconsistent with Scripture for us to, to see this over and over again in the Word of God. It was Saul who later would become Paul who was trained at the feet of Gamaliel. And the Bible says that he learned a lot about the law. He learned and memorized much of the Scripture, the Old Testament. He knew about the law of Moses. He could quote most of it. Uh, from memory. He had a brilliant mind. There was things that he knew that others didn't know about the Scripture, the Old Testament. Yet, in Acts chapter 9, it wasn't until then that he received a full revelation of who Jesus was when he was blinded by a great light on the road to Damascus. And he cried out, said, Who art thou, O Lord? And the answer came back, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Whom thou persecutest. It was then that the apostle Paul received, then Saul. It was then that he received a revelation of the mighty God in Christ. It was then that it was revealed to him the truth and the understanding of who Jesus really was. It was then that he realized, I've been on the wrong side of this thing. It was then that he was able to make some course corrections in his life and say, you know what, I've been astray all of this time, but if you'll give me an opportunity, I'll repent, I'll make things right. If you'll give me an opportunity, I'll be obedient to the preaching of God's Word, and I will become an advocate. I will become someone that preaches the gospel instead of stands and opposes the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was also 
that revelation in Paul's life deepen as he talks about it in Acts chapter 14 or as it's described in Acts chapter 14 and talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. He was stoned in a place called Lystra. And theologians believe that this is where he received an experience that he didn't give all the details of. He said, I don't, I don't feel permitted to write about all of the intricate details of it. But he said, I knew a man, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. He said, I, I, I experienced things. I saw things. He was speaking, theologians believe, of himself when he said, I knew a man that was caught up into the third heaven and he saw things and experienced things and had a deep revelation come to him. But it was beneath a pile of stones that this revelation came to the apostle Paul. It was in persecution It was in pain. It was in sorrow. It was in moments of feeling all alone and rejected. It was when people turned their back on him that Paul was able to see Jesus in a way that he had never saw or experienced him before. I want to take just a moment and parallel that with our lives here today and where you and I are at this moment. All of us, we understand and know that the Lord comes to us and works in our lives. When we feel like others have walked away, Jesus, that's when he has the opportunity a lot of times to come near to us and us develop a relationship with him that was never possible before because we relied upon our support system. We relied upon on others. Amen. When all the while he was saying, if you'll allow me, I'll come near to you. Amen. Like one preacher described it, he said, when I first saw the cross, when I first came to the church and I saw the cross, I thought, well, everywhere Christ is, there's misery. And then he said, when the cross was really revealed to me, I realized something. Everywhere there's misery. There's Christ. And that's exactly the way it is. Any place there's pain, there's the power of God. Any place, amen, where there's suffering, there is a Savior that is standing by. Any place there is rejection, there is a Redeemer that is there. There is hope that is there. There is help that is on the way. I'm preaching to somebody here today. Just because you're experiencing your own personal Patmos, don't feel like you're alone because it's there that God God can reveal himself in a way that you never thought possible before. Oh, let's lift up our hands and our voices and give praise to the Lord here this morning. John did not see the new Jerusalem and describe it in detail from the comforts and the protections of a palace in Palestine. But John received his greatest revelation on Patmos. Patmos was a volcanic island just off of the coast of the Asian Minor. It's 10 miles long and it was 6 miles wide. It was barren. He was exiled there by a Roman emperor. And he was there for some 10 years between A.D. 86 
to 96. He spent 10 years on this lonely isle of Patmos. Much of what we read and receive and know uh, about the end time was given to him there on that isle. And he explains in in verse 2 of chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, he explains why he was on the Isle of Patmos. It was for the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. John was able to endure this trial because he had an understanding of its purpose. You see, if you have an understanding of the purpose of God, you have an understanding of the why, uh, what, what, what is coming out of this. It's a whole lot easier to endure something. It's a whole lot easier to go through something if you understand what is on the other side of it or if it has some type of meaning or purpose to it. He didn't ask, what is this happening for? He already understood what it was happening for. It is for the Word of God. God is revealing some things to me that He's not revealed to any other man. And then it's for the testimony or the witness, as it were. We call a witness up to the stand to give a testimony. It's for the witness of Jesus Christ. And the first five words of this book tell us what that revelation is or that witness is. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to be revealed. You're going through this. You're facing this. This this that you don't necessarily understand why it's happening, but you know what it's for. You know that Christ is going to be revealed through it. I want to tell you, God allows the church to go through things so that he can be revealed to the world that is power to protect, that is power to provide, that is power to to hear prayer, that is power to work miracles, that is power to save, that is power to keep, that is power to be there when you need him, his power to comfort, his power to strengthen, his power to restore is revealed when we go through things and we come out of them and we're not destroyed and we're not diminished in our faith, but we come out of them with victory, we come out of them with an overcoming testimony, amen, we're giving a witness as to the power of God to a world that is searching for answers to a world that is looking for a true savior they're looking for the authentic they're looking for the genuine and when they see you when trouble comes and other people fold when trouble comes and other people give up and you come through it and you're still praising God and you're still worshiping God and you're still living for God and you're still serving God Now they know. Now they understand. Now they receive a revelation of who Jesus really is. John found that Jesus isn't revealed in marble palaces and ivory towers, golden cathedrals. But it's on that rugged isle of Patmos. And sometimes God allows us to go through things so that he can reveal himself through us. Because though John was on Patmos, 
barren, lonely, in prison. The Bible makes this statement, and I know you've heard it preached about, I know you've read it, and we've marveled at it. It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He was on Patmos, get this, but he was in the Spirit. On Patmos, but in the Spirit. Two places at one time. I'm going to tell you, the child of God has to figure that out. The child of God has to live in that that same realm. Yeah, we we walk on this earth. Yeah, we we walk in this flesh. We, we, We walk, amen, and we have to deal with everyday problems and challenges and oppositions in life. Oh, but while we walk on this earth, we still can be influenced and in the Spirit of God. Amen. The Bible said in John chapter number 1, and, and or John, 1 John chapter number 2, he reminds us, this same man reminds us that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. In Philippians 3 and 20, Paul says, for our conversation is, in heaven. One rendering says it this way. Our citizenship is in heaven. In other words, we don't belong. We're not citizens of this kingdom, but we're citizens of God's kingdom. Yes, we live in a wicked, evil, and depraved world, but it's still possible for every one of us, amen, to get in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit. We can live in victory when everything around us is otherwise. We can live in faith when doubt surrounds us. Amen. We can live, amen, in the spirit when we're surrounded by sorrows and troubles and problems and difficulties. Amen. We can still be conquerors even though there's challenges outside these doors. We can be in two places as it were at one time. I'm preaching to you today. Don't allow yourself to succumb to the surroundings but rise up through the spirit of of God and the power of the Holy Ghost and realize that I could stand victorious. Realize, amen, that I could overcome through the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't have to, to fail. I don't have to, to succumb. I don't have to let down. I don't have to fall. Oh, come on. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Give him praise. The Spirit. Spirit does three things in our lives. It does a whole lot more than that, but I'm just going to give you a few of them. These three things. First of all, it sanctifies. Second Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. And belief of the truth. We're sanctified by the Spirit of God. It shields us. Isaiah 59 and 19. We like to quote this one. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against it. When it seems like a tidal wave of of trouble is coming your direction. 
God can raise up a standard against it and protect you and shield you. But not only does it sanctify and shield, it also seals us, the Bible says. Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know, there's some seals in the natural that, that they work and they're preventative against decay and, and elements getting to something for a certain period of time. But after that time, there's no guarantee. Those of you that are involved in canning, you know that that preserves goods for, for a long period of time, but not forever. Not forever. Those of you that seal things in freezer bags, you understand that you can put it in the freezer and you can keep it for a long time, but not forever. Amen. It, doesn't, it has a period of time that it is preserved for and you need to partake of it, consume it, do whatever you're going to do in that period of time. There's some things that cannot be stored no matter how inventive we become. They can only be sealed for so long from the elements that are out there. But I'm so thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That it is. It's not a man-made seal that, that only can can only preserve for so long. It can only help for so long. But what I'm talking about has the power to preserve you until the day of redemption, until the rapture takes place, until there is that great catching away, until Jesus comes in the clouds to receive his church. We can be sealed by the Spirit. If you stay full of the Holy Ghost, you can be sealed. I said, if you stay filled with the Spirit of God, you can be ready when He comes. If you stay renewed and refreshed in the Holy Ghost, you, you, you can be strong enough. You can be sealed until the day of redemption. You know, they started putting these seals on aspirin bottles and ivoryprofen and Tylenol. Tylenol had a, a case, many of you probably remember this, but I think it was back in the 80s, they had a case where some lunatic, somebody that had a depraved mind put poison in those pills. And so that's why now even by law, the Food and Drug Administration requires that they put a seal and it'll tell you and warn you, do not do not take this medicine. Do not partake of these goods if this seal has been tampered with. If it's been broken, do not consume it because there's a possibility there's been a breach here and uh, you can only trust it if the seal is intact. If it's been tampered with, don't, don't mess with it. Don't touch it. I'm going to tell you, we all have the seal of the Holy Ghost that that warns us and that keeps us and that is a buffer for us. But if we transgress it, if we overrun it, if we, if we veto its, 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 its voice in our life, if we, we step out away from the guidance of it, then it loses its ability to keep us and preserve us and protect us from the evil that is out there. I beg you today, don't tamper with the seal. Amen. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Allow 
the Holy Ghost to continue to guide you and help you. It'll keep you from temptation. It'll keep you from the evil that is out. Evil is increasing in our world. Men are waxing worse and worse. But we have a seal. And the only way it can be broken is if you allow it to be broken. Come on, let's clap our hands and give a little praise unto God. This is why he could proclaim this. I may be on the Isle of Patmos, but I can be in the Spirit. I can make it. I can get caught up in another world. Amen. You know, all the things that are going on in our world, we have an escape. We have a release from it. We have a place that we can go. We have a secret place, the Bible says, that we can go and be recharged and refurbished and helped, strengthened, restored. Amen. You believe that today? Praise God, I tell you. uh, This world can be draining. This world can, can, can ebb things out of you that you don't even notice. Till a period of time has passed. Uh, have you ever watched floodwaters rise? It's so gradual that sometimes you don't notice it. And uh, when the Red River swelled out of its banks and a few years back, I went down and I was watching and I noticed, I marked some places there, the water was gradually rising, but I could mark some places on the ground, and each time I would go back and look at it, it was a little further up the bank. If you're not careful, if you don't have a place that you go to in God, if you don't have a resting place, as it were, if you don't know the comforter, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, life is going to ebb things out of you. But you have the ability to go into that place and be sealed off in the presence of God. You have the ability to be in the Spirit no matter where you are, no matter what's going on, no matter if there is 12 inches of snow on the ground and it's two below zero, I have a place that I can go. So many people are affected by the natural things of this world. They're so affected by everything that's going on around them. They, they, they're so uh, affected and their attitude is affected. They're, they're affected by politics. They're affected by the news. They're, they're affected by problems that are going on. And, and I'm going to tell you, that's not really where the real fight is. That's only symptomatic of what is going on in the spirit world. And the only way we can escape that is to get in the spirit of God. And when we get in the spirit of God, we understand that all of these things are temporary. What we're really looking for is our eternal reward what we're really looking for is to go home to be with Jesus because our conversation is not of this world our citizenship is not of this world but we live in another world come on lift up your hands to him right now and let's praise him together that's why he could boldly proclaim I'm on Patmos but I'm in the Spirit. You know, there's another similar passage of Scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, Under the church of God, 
which is at Corinth. And to them that are in Christ. That's one of Paul's favorite statements, in Christ. 160 times in his writings, in Christ. He had an understanding about something. But he said, at Corinth. Now you understand, Corinth was a wicked, idolatrous city. Corinth, you do understand, was, well, it was kind of the Vanity Fair. It was on a small stretch of land between two seas, and it had a big marketplace, and people would come from all around. They could get ivory from Libya. They could get spices uh, from the east. They could get uh, rugs from Persia. I don't know. They could get anything they wanted there. And it was an evil city up on a high pinnacle, one of its highest pinnacles, mountains there, was the temple that was built to the goddess Aphrodite's which was uh, the God of sensual pleasure. And you can only imagine the sin and the debauchery that was involved in Corinth. But Paul said, you may be at Corinth, but you can still be in Christ. You may live in the city of Corinth, but you can still be in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that we may live in this world in the 21st century and times may be as they are, but we don't have to succumb to it. We can be in Christ. We can be in the Spirit. We can be in two places at one time, as it were. Amen. I'm telling you, God is able to strengthen us. God is able to sustain us. And God is able to keep us through everything that we face now and anything that may come down the pike. Nothing surprises God. He said this seal will keep you to the day of redemption. If you believe that, you ought to stand to your feet right now and lift up your hands to God and give Him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give some praise to the Lord. Let's give some worship unto the Lord. Come on, let's lift up our voices to Him right now. Hallelujah. I don't know where you are on the spiritual landscape right now. Don't know where you find yourself. You may be in a valley. You may be on a mountaintop. I don't know. But I can tell you, if you're on the mountaintop, the Lord tarries, you'll probably find yourself at some point in a valley. And if you're in a valley, good news is, you're going to have an opportunity to be on the mountaintop again. If you keep living for God, keep being faithful. But no matter where you are, you can still be in Christ. You can still be in the Spirit. No matter where you find yourself or what you may be going through, you can find yourself a place in God. That I'm not so affected by everything that's going around down here. I'm going to tell you, I get disturbed. I get a little bit, I don't know. I get a little bit skeptical of people. 
that always are focused, focused on the happenings down here and get so caught up in it. So caught up in it that that blinds them to the greater work of the kingdom of God. I become a little skeptical. We're supposed to be people of faith, folks. We're supposed to be people that believe that we're living for a heavenly reward, not just for the temporal and the earthly, not just for those things that are immediate and now, but we're living for the future. I'm going to tell you, there's always going to be politics, and there's always going to be world troubles, and there's always going to be problems going on. And if you hook your wagon to this, that, you're going to be disappointed. What you need to hook your wagon to is the kingdom of God because it always conquers. It always wins. It always comes through victorious. And I'm sorry if I upset your apple cart here this morning, but some of you need to get your faith turned towards God. Get your eyes on Jesus and let the things of this world grow strangely dim. And realize, hey, I serve the one that's really in control. I serve the one that sits on the throne. I serve the one that the heavens is his throne and the earth is his footstool. I serve the one that measures the waters of the world in the palm of his hand. I serve the one that flung the stars into existence. You're telling me that this stuff amen is going to affect the kingdom of God. I'm telling you it's all being orchestrated by the king of kings and the lord of lords because there has to be something that gets us out of this world folks and as long as we're comfortable Jesus will never be revealed the faith of the church is going to be tested in the last days and the walk that you have with God what the Bible says don't, don't think it's strange when these trials come because it takes heat to refine gold and when the heat's turned up you're going to see who the real church is you're going to see who really believes it and who just you're going to see Who's got it in their heart, not just in their head? You're gonna see who who you're gonna see the difference between those that can quote it and those that have a revelation of it. Because once you get it on here, nobody can pry it out. I said nobody could take a crowbar and pry it out. Nobody. Amen. I'm going to tell you, this gets nailed down so secure. It's like my grandfather said. He said, I want you to nail it, son. And when you get it nailed through, he said, that nail that goes all the way through both boards, he said, on the back side of it, he said, clinch it down. In other words, I don't want these nails pulled out. You need to get a nail in a sure place. You need to get this word of God so driven into your heart that nothing, nothing can pull it out. I wonder if somebody wants to make their way to that place this morning. I wonder if there's somebody that's in this house uh, that would like to get in the spirit. Uh, You'd like to visit the throne room. You'd like to come into that place with God. You'd like to visit, amen, His presence one more time and be renewed and refreshed. Uh, There's an open invitation. It's not a one-time event receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, but you have the opportunity to be renewed in the Holy Ghost and refreshed in the Holy Ghost. Have the opportunity to get it again and again and again and again.
That's how we're going to make it. That's how we're going to please God in the last days. That's how we're going.